in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue tonight our Bible study from the Gospel of St. Luke, starting from verse 26. Last week, actually, we finished the first 25 verses from Luke chapter 1 which was actually the Annunciation of Archangel Gabriel to Zechariah uh, about the birth of John the Baptist. Today we'll study from verse 26 to verse 38, which is the Annunciation uh, to Virgin Saint Mary about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start from verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So, it is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So, sixth month here for uh, the pregnancy of Elizabeth. That's why we say John the Baptist was older than the Lord Jesus Christ by six, six months. So Archangel Gabriel was sent by God to a virgin named Mary. Uh, as we read in verse 27, uh, Archangel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Mary in Hebrew, her name is Miriam. Mary lived in the insignificant village of Nazareth in the lower Galilee. So Nazareth was in the lower Galilee and was an important actually village. And when St. Luke wrote to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, these explanatory notes makes it clear that St. Luke was writing for those who were strangers from Palestine. That's why he is explaining to them where Nazareth is. It is a village or a city in Galilee. Uh, as you know, Palestine was divided into three parts. Galilee in the north, Judea in the south, and Samaria in the middle. Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. Judea where Jerusalem is. Nazareth is located just north of the fertile Jezreel Valley, 15 miles east from the Sea of Galilee. This sea actually where the Lord called Peter, Andrew, James, and John. It's called also Sea of Tiberias. So Nazareth is 15 miles east from the Sea of Galilee and 20 miles from the Mediterranean Sea to the west. So to the west of the Mediterranean Sea, 20 miles and 15 miles east from the Sea of Galilee. St. Joseph and St. Mary lived in it. And the Lord Jesus Christ spent most of the first 30 years of his life 
also in Nazareth. That's why he is called the Nazarene, as we read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 23, and in Mark chapter 1, verse 24. And when he began his mission, he was rejected twice by the people of Nazarene and the people of Galilee. As we read in Luke chapter 4, from verse 28 to 31, and in Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, and Matthew chapter 13, verse 54 to 58. So the people rejected him at the beginning. And this town, Nazareth, barely had any importance for it. It was not mentioned in the Old Testament, neither in any document of the major uh, countries before the Lord Jesus Christ coming, nor in the writing of the Jewish historian Josephus, because that's why we said it is insignificant village or city. The word Nazareth means branch. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ often called the branch. And when Matthew said, uh, as it was said by the prophets, he is called the Nazarene, mean he is called the branch. Uh, Saint Luke makes it clear that Saint Mary is virgin. When he said in verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man. Using the Greek word virgin twice in this passage. Uh, the Greek word parthenos. Uh, you know, in, 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 in the Greek language, there is difference between a virgin and young girl. But in the Hebrew, the same word is used for a young girl and virgin. That's why Simeon the Elder, when was translating Isaiah chapter 7, he was confused whether to translate this word to virgin in Greek, which means Barthenus, or just to translate it young girl and a young girl uh, can be a virgin or just a young uh, lady. And upon a vision from God, he used in the Greek Septuagint, Parthenos, which means virgin. No other explain explanation. And here St. Luke, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. So St. Luke actually used Parthenos. And St. Matthew used Parthenos. So there is emphasis here on the virginity of St. Mary. So the same Greek word for virgin is used in the Greek Septuagint translation of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And, and this prophecy designates that the Messiah is born from a virgin, not just a young girl. But this version was betrothed, as we read in, in verse 27, 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So Mary was betrothed to a descendant of the great King David, a man named Joseph of the house of David. The betrothal in the East uh, was a ceremony of deepest importance and usually took place a year before the consummation of marriage. Betrothal in the Jewish tradition is like civil marriage. But the consummation of marriage did not happen yet. So Mary was betrothed to St. Joseph. That's why when we read in the Gospel of Matthew, his wife, this word is true because she is considered legally his wife, although the marriage was not consummated. But the question here, why was the angel sent to a betrothed girl? And we know later on, actually, as we'll explain today, that Mary, although was betrothed, but she vowed her virginity. She vowed her virginity. So Mary and, and, and Joseph, there was actually like an agreement between both of them. They... Uh, she will remain a virgin. So this betrothal just to protect her civil rights. St. Ambrosius says, the angel was sent to a betrothed girl, so no one thinks that she has committed adultery when she became pregnant. Also, scholar origin said, according to St. Ignatius, that the presence of Joseph might make Satan doubt and get confused about the newborn regarding the divine incarnation. So this actually may cause confusion to Satan. Satan would believe that Jesus came from marriage between Joseph and Mary. This, according to St. Ignatius, and Origen uh, uh, told us about what St. Ignatius said. Also, St. Ambrose presented to us the same idea when he said, There is another reason which cannot be disregarded, which is that the ruler of this world, Satan, did not discover the virginity of the Virgin Mary because he saw her with her man, he did not suspect the burn. The, uh, he did not suspect the bo the baby born of her without getting married, or the consummation of marriage. We know here that Joseph is a descendant of David, but actually nowhere we are told that Mary was from the house of David, because. The both genealogies of the Gospels are genealogies of Joseph. Although there is another opinion says that the genealogy according to Matthew is the genealogy of Joseph, but the genealogy in Luke is according to St. Mary. And we will explain this when we come to the genealogy according to St. Luke. But 
St. Luke's Gospel links the priestly family of St. John the Baptist to the family of Mary of Nazareth. So Mary was a relative to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist and the wife of Zechariah. And both Zechariah and Elizabeth are descendants of the first high priest Aaron. So Mary also has a link to the priestly bloodline. She is a descendant of Aaron. So according to the holy tradition, Mary from the mother's side, her mother Anna, she descendant of Aaron. But from her father's side, Joachim, she is a descendant of David. So we see in Mary how she has the descendant of David from her father, and she is a descendant of Aaron from her mother. And we'll explain this uh, in a few minutes. Uh, verse 28 And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, O full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So, the angel greeting to Mary is quite different from his greeting to Zechariah. I want you to notice that Archangel Gabriel did not greet Zechariah with the same degree of respect and status as he did by giving St. Mary a title full of grace. The greeting is also unusual in that he did not begin with the typical greeting of peace, but he used hail. Hail or rejoice in Coptic Sheri Jesheri Thi Ithmehmut. Sheri can mean hail or rejoice. And by also announcing St. Mary's special status, which actually is full of grace, but more literal translation is who had been graced. Had been graced actually is a state or a status beyond just being filled of grace or full of grace. In addressing Mary with this title, the angel is signifying that she possesses and always has possessed a plentitude of divine grace. So not only full of grace, but always she has possessed and she possesses a plentitude of divine grace. And told her, blessed are you among women. Because as we say in Wednesday Theotokia, the father looked from heaven and he did not find anyone similar to you. No one similar to Saint Mary. She is above the cherubim and the seraphim and all the human being. Verse 29, But when she saw him, 
she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The fact is that St. Mary was deeply troubled by the angel's greeting is evidence that someone of her humble status had received a greeting and was addressed by a title that was highly unusual. So she did not expect such greeting or such title. She was greatly troubled, not like Zachariah, who doubted in the mission of the angel and required a sign before he could believe. No, Mary simply wondered at the strangeness of what was about to happen. So she was uh, troubled. Who am I to receive such greeting? So her trouble at the sudden appearance of the angel and the nature of this greeting, greeting and the nature of the uh, title full of grace that uh, she received from Archangel Gabriel. Some people compare and ask why the angel punished Zacharias, but he did not punish St. Mary, although St. Mary, as we read in verse 34, she asked it, how can this be, since I don't know a man? I don't know I am not married, or I will not be married also. Uh, the, to answer this question, why Archangel Gabriel punished Zachariah and not St. Mary, although both of them reacted with fear? The answer is, humility is the key difference between St. Mary's response and Zachariah's response. Where St. Mary expressed humility, Zachariah expressed doubt. And once Archangel Gabriel told each of them the reason of his appearance, their responses at first glance might seem similar, but their hearts behind the response are totally different. St. Mary actually has a legitimate question about this news from Archangel Gabriel. How this could be? She is unwed, just engaged to a man, and vowed her virginity, as we will explain later why you are saying she vowed her virginity. So for her, it is physically impossible for her to become pregnant as a virgin. Uh, and if she was planning to get married, then actually uh, this would not be a, a question here because uh, she would understand that after marriage she will have this baby. And never in the history of mankind had there been a story told of a woman become pregnant as a virgin? Never before St. Mary or after St. Mary. But I want you to notice, once Archangel Gabriel explained to St. Mary how it is possible through the grace of God, St. Mary's response of acceptance tells us where her heart 
was when she says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. So, St. Mary was not questioning if the annunciation of Archangel Gabriel will happen. She just wants to understand how it will happen. So, she is not doubting it will happen, but she wants to understand how it will happen because she vowed her virginity. This was different from Zachariah, who doubted and asked for a sign. That's why Zachariah was punished, but St. Mary was not. So, Archangel Gabriel answered her in verse 30 and told her, uh, then I, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor or grace with God. Do not be afraid, Mary. Now he is calling her by her name, signifying that she was well known to him as the sins are to the ministering angels. So when God sent an angel to a prophet or a saint, they are well known to this uh, angel. Uh, then he told her, don't be afraid. You have found grace with God. You have found favor with God. And from verse 31 to verse 33, he explained to her the substance of his message to her. He told her, let's read these three verses. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and she and shall call his name Jesus. This son, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So, he told her, she will be a mother of a son. And this son, she will call his name uh, Jesus. And then he started to describe this son. In telling her this, uh, who knew herself to be a virgin, one who had known uh, Mary, who had not known a man, he plainly reminds her with the prophecy of Isaiah, Behold, the virgin uh, will conceive and will have uh, a child. The, the, the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And most probably, uh, St. Mary uh, understood that this prophecy is fulfilled in her. Uh, and thus far, the angel word St. Mary signifies a promise. She will have a son. And he told her, this son, you will call his, his name Jesus. Uh, so, there is a mystery behind this name. And this name actually was given to Joseph and Mary separately. 
was given to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. When the angel not only gave him the name, but he explained to Joseph the significance of the name. We read in Matthew 1 21, and she she Mary will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means the savior. Jesus is the same like uh, Joshua or Hosea, which means savior. So he told him, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. But to St. Mary, He just gave her the name Jesus. Then he said to her, Jesus will be great. Actually, there's a fulfillment of prophecy by Isaiah. When Isaiah said, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Great God, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Also, we read in Luke chapter 20, 4 verse 19 how the two disciples of Amos described the Lord Jesus Christ he was a prophet mighty in word great and deeds great in words and deeds before God and all people then archangel Gabriel said to Saint Mary and will be called the son of the highest the highest is one of the titles of God the Father So, son of the highest means son of God. And God the Father often in the scripture made known by the word highest. As we read in Genesis 14, 19. Psalm 83, verse 18. Psalm 92, verse 1. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 5, verse 7. So, this phrase, the sign, the son of the highest, signifies that he shall be known as the Son of God and will be declared to be the Son of God. Peter called him the same, Son of God. You are Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Also the centurion who attended at the cross, when he saw uh, blood, and, and, and water gushing from his side, he said, this is truly the Son of God. And, and, and God, actually himself, God the Father, called Jesus his Son. You are my Son, and today I have begotten you. In Psalm 2, verse 7. So, and since all these uh, prophecies and verses agreeing that Jesus is the only begotten Son, only begotten Son of God. Only begotten means all of us are children of God, but we are by adoption. But the only son who is begotten from the father, born from the father before all ages, light of light, through God of true God, is Jesus, is the son who in the fullness of time became man, our Lord Jesus Christ. Only begotten is a translation of the word homonogenes. Homonogenes. Mono means only. Genes means begotten. 
many times is translated in Arabic wrong, translated in monogenese like Al-Wahid uh, Al-Gins. It's wrong translation. Uh, mono in Arabic means Wahid. Genis doesn't mean Gens. Genis means begotten, Al-Mawlud. So the Arabic translation uh, of monogenes, the correct translation, Al-Ibn Al-Wahid, meaning he is the only uh, son who is begotten and born from the father. All of us, the children of God, by adoption. But there is only one son is begotten, the son of the father. So the accurate translation of monogenes or monogenes, mono means one, al-wahid, we genes doesn't mean gens. So tergama al-wahid gens tergama khatir. The correct translation is al-ibn al-wahid, mono al-wahid genes al-maulud or al-ibn. So who al-ibn? الوحيد اللي اتولد من الآب مولود من الآب قبل كل الظهور نور من نور إلى حق من إلى حق Then he said the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David So this echoes the Promises that God gave to King David. Uh, as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7 from verse 9 to 16. God promised David that his throne will endure forever. We read it also in 2 Samuel 23 verse 5. So how this promise was fulfilled was fulfilled in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here... St. Luke is intentionally making a link between the promise of God to David of an eternal covenant, throne will endure forever, and the inauguration of that covenant promise in Jesus of Nazareth. So this promise is fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ was promised to many fathers. Was promised to Abraham that the Messiah will be his seed. Was promised to Moses, the prophet, that Jesus will be the prophet. The prophet was capital P. Meaning what? What is the function of the prophet? Deliver message from God to us. And as we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. Now he is speaking to us in his son. So thus Jesus is the prophet with capital P. Also, uh, Jesus was promised to David who was a king as the king. Uh, And Jesus is the king. He came actually to restore the kingdom of God and he established uh, the kingdom of God here on earth. A spiritual kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. Uh, so even the temporal kingdom of Israel belonged to Jesus Christ by hereditary right. If he is the 
son of, of David, and God will give him the throne of his father David, then actually, by hereditary right, even the temporal kingdom of, of Israel belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when Archangel Gabriel said to Saint Mary, and God will give him the throne of his father's David, the word seemed at first to suggest the thought that Virgin Mary is from the house of David. But I said, what we know from the scripture, she is related to Elizabeth, she is cousin of Elizabeth from the mother's side. So she is a descendant of Aaron. But how said Mary is also a descendant of David? Uh, because here actually he is saying he will give him the throne of his father David. Uh, and, and this title to the throne is actually derived through her, through Saint Mary. So as I explained, the Holy Tradition tells us that her father, Joachim, was a descendant of David. But her mother was a descendant of Aaron. So we can see here like intermarriage happened, uh, which actually took place often in the old time between the house of Aaron and the house of David, descendant of Aaron and descendant of David. And we can see this many examples, like in Exodus chapter 6, verse 23, 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 2. So maybe this was also uh, yeah, the case with St. Mary, an intermarriage happened between uh, the house of David and the house of uh, Aaron. So Joachim or Joachim, a descendant of David and Elizabeth, sorry, uh, Hannah, the mother of St. Mary, descendant of Aaron, and intermarriage happened between both of them. And if we took the genealogy in Luke chapter 3, related to Joachim, as some father said, not to Joseph. And we will explain this when we come to chapter 3. But if the genealogies, according to other fathers, in Matthew and Luke, uh, uh, from the lineage of Joseph only, then actually uh, the evangelist point of view here that our Lord, uh, despite the supernatural birth uh, from a virgin, also he is inheriting from Joseph the throne of David uh, as a son of Joseph. But as I told you, the holy tradition of the church believes that Joachim, descendant of David. Verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob, the house of Israel, forever, spiritual kingdom. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Yes, it's eternal kingdom. And uh, St. Paul explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 how the Lord Jesus Christ is reigning right now and in the second coming he will deliver the kingdom to God the Father. That's why those who are speaking about millennium coming in the future as if the Lord Jesus Christ is not reigning right now 
This is against the teaching of the scripture. The reign of our Lord Jesus Christ started from the day of crucifixion and will continue to the day of his second coming when he will deliver the kingdom to God the Father and then his kingdom will continue and shall have no end as we read in verse 33. His kingdom, there will be no end. And we emphasize this in the uh, creed. His kingdom shall have no end. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? From the virgin's word, it is clear she was dedicated by a vow to remain a virgin. That's why we believe in the perpetual virginity of St. Mary. Meaning, she was virgin before the marriage. She was virgin, sorry, she was virgin before the pregnancy and before the labor. She was virgin during the, the, the labor. So the labor did not lose her virginity. And she continued to be virgin after the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because if she had wished to be married, then she would not have asked this question. How can this be since I do not know a man? She would rather have said when this will be an expectation of the promise to be fulfilled after the consummation of the marriage. So the question would not be how. The question would be when, when the consummation of the marriage would be. But this question, how can this be since I do not know a man? It is clear that she was dedicated by a vow to remain a virgin. Uh, also, this question is totally different than Zachariah's question in the same chapter, verse 18. Zechariah said, how shall I know this? He was asking for a sign. But St. Mary, not asking for a sign, but St. Mary asking how this will happen, and I vowed my virginity. Uh, Zechariah asked by what sign he shall know that the words of the angel are true. But Zechariah had Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament who had son in their old age. So there is no excuse for him to doubt. But for a virgin to have a child never happened before St. Mary and also never happened after St. Mary. So Mary here is told of a far greater marvel for her question show that she understood the angel to speak of the birth while she is a virgin. And she accepted the word in faith. And she did not demand a sign. But reverently, she is asking how this will be accomplished. How this will be accomplished, although she is a virgin. And she never heard that a virgin had a child. 
So the angel answered her in verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest, the Father, will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One, the Son, who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. The word, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, in, in, in the Greek uh, language, which is the language of the gospel, explained to St. Mary that this conception will be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a divine conception. It is above and beyond our comprehension and our understanding. And the same verse here is used also in the Greek Septuagint translation of Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. When the Holy Spirit, in a visible form, the cloud, overshadowed the tabernacle, and the glory of God filled the dwelling, the tabernacle. So the, them, the same verse was used in Exodus chapter 40, Verse 34 is the same verse, uh, same, uh, sorry, verb is used here. Also, if you remember the transfiguration, there was a cloud overshadowed uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and Elijah and uh, Moses. The same word, the same verb overshadowed them uh, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 34, uh, the same actually verb is used. When the voice of God also is heard from the cloud, uh, that overshadowed uh, them. Moses, Elijah, with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he told her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. It's a divine conception. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Here he is using the word highest again. Highest referring to God the Father. And the third person of the Holy Trinity, therefore also the Holy One, the Son, who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. The word, the Logos, was conceived in the womb of St. Mary. Not after the manner of men, but this conception is done by singular, powerful, invisible, immediate operation of the Holy Spirit. Cannot explain it. It's above and beyond our understanding. Uh, and the Virgin here was able and enabled to conceive beyond the law of nature. Verse 36, now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Uh, the angel also is disclosing the pregnancy of Elizabeth as a confirmation of the promise, which also, the pregnancy of Elizabeth is a deviation 
of from the order of nature. As I explained last week for two reasons. Number one, Elizabeth was buried. Number two, now she and Zechariah were advanced in ages. So there are two obstacles. So her pregnancy also was a deviation from the order of nature. Many fathers believe that at this moment in which St. Mary submitted to God, she became pregnant. So let's read verse 37 and, and 38. For with God nothing will be impossible. Even for a virgin to be pregnant, with God nothing will be impossible. He is the God of the impossible action. St. Mary replied and said, Then Mary said, Behold the meat servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So many fathers of the church believe that at the moment in which St. Mary offered her obedience to God and her submission to him, saying, Behold the mid-servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, at this very specific moment, she became pregnant. She received the incarnation. For it was not possible to fulfill the incarnation Without her will, again, it was impossible to fulfill the incarnation without her will and her acceptance to receive this promise. God sanctifies human freedom and sanctifies respect our freedom. So, many people question how in, in, in our praises, we call Mary the salvation of our father Adam. And they are saying, we are giving her titles that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, when we say salvation of our father Adam, doesn't mean she saved Adam like our Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and shed his blood. But let me explain what we mean by this. Let me assume let me assume, just for the sake of discussion, St. Mary refused and she said to Archangel Gabriel, uh, no, I cannot accept this. God will never impose himself on a person refusing, uh, you know, a promise. So, by, so God wants to give us the gift of salvation, a free gift. But if we don't accept this gift, we will never have this gift. So St. Mary, by accepting the gift, by saying, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your will. By accepting this gift of salvation, that's why we call her the salvation of our father Adam. So, for example, let me give you an analogy to make it clear. If there is a very, very poor family, and then some godly person wanted to give them a gift of money, if the father of this family rejected this gift, then 
that the family will continue to be poor or rejected the job, they will continue to be poor. But if the father accepted the job that was offered freely to him, then actually the children, we can say, we can say to the father, you saved us from hunger and poverty because he received the gift. So when we say to St. Mary, the salvation of our father Adam, not because she actively saved us like the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, but simply because she accepted the free gift of salvation on behalf of humanity. On behalf of all of us, she accepted the free gift of salvation by saying, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. That's why the church father said, pregnancy or fulfillment of this promise could not happen before this moment. But in this moment, when she said, let it be to me according to your word, and she pronounced her acceptance at this very specific moment, the pregnancy of St. Mary started and the conception started at this very moment. Also, the fathers of the church call St. Mary the new Eve. Our mother Eve became disobedient to God, disobeyed God. So the new Eve, St. Mary, by her obedience and submission, she was undoing the disobedience of our mother Eve. So the first Eve disobeyed God. The second Eve, or the new Eve, submitted to God and uh, obeyed God. And in this way, we call her the new Eve. Uh, and the archangel departed from her. This actually finish uh, our Bible study tonight, the Annunciation of Archangel Gabriel to St. Mary. Uh, uh, I think we have 10 minutes, so I will give a quick summary in Arabic uh, in uh, the next 10 minutes. احنا الأسبوع اللي فات اتكلمنا على بشارة الملاك غبريال لزكريا كاهن بميلاد يوحنا المعمدان. النهارده هنتكلم على بشارة رئيس الملائكة غبريال للعذراء مريم بميلاد ربنا وإلهنا يسوع المسيح. من أول آية 26 من لؤى الإصحاح الأولاني بيقولوا في الشهر السادس الشهر السادس من الحمل بتاع اليصابات عشان كده يوحنا المعمدان أكبر من السيد المسيح بست شهور. أرسل جبرائيل الملاك يعني ربنا هو اللي بعته من الله إلى مدينة من الجليل اسمها ناصر لو عارفين الجغرافيا الجليل كانت في الشمال السامرة في الوسط واليهودية اللي فيها أورشليم في الجنوب فالناصرة دي كانت قرية صغيرة من الجليل وقرية ملهاش أهمية بس دي قرية اللي عاشت فيها من العذراء مع يوسف النجار ودي قرية اللي عاش فيها السيد المسيح لمدة 30 سنة لغاية لما يبتدي الخدمة وكانت الجليل ملهاش سمعة كويسة لدرجة نثنائيل قال أم من الجليل يخرج شيء صالح 
فمدينة بسيطة مدينة صغيرة زي ما بولس الرسول قال من أجلنا افتقر وهو الغني حتى لما المسيح اختار بلد عشان يعيش فيها ويكبر فيها كانت بلد صغيرة ملهاش ذكر ده أرسل الملك غبريال لمين بقى إلى عذراء مخطوبة لرجل من بيت داود اسم يوسف واسم العذراء مريم ربنا بعته للعذراء زي ما بنقول في التسبيحة تطلع الآب من السماء فلم يجد من يشبهك أرسال وحيده أتى وتجسد منك فيش حد زي العذراء عشان كده ربنا اختارها أنها تكون أم له العذراء كانت مخطوبة في التقليد اليهودي في خطوبة وفي حاجة بنسميها بالإنجليزي بتروثل دي زي الزواج المدني وبعدين في الزواج بقى التحقيق الزواج فكلمة بتروثل ده معناها ان زي كان في عقد زواج مكتوب ما بين العذراء ويوسف النجار عشان كده في انجيل متى لما نقرا مريم امراته او امراتك الكلمه دي سليمه لان كان في زي زواج مدني لكن هذا الزواج لم يتحقق فعليا لكن لحمايه العذراء ربنا سمح ان يوسف يتزوجها زواج مدني لكن لم يحصل حياه الزوجين بينهم لم تحدث ابدا وهقول لكم ليه احنا بنؤمن بدوام بتوليه العذراء من الاصحاح ده يوسف ده كان من بيت داوود يعني زي ما نقرا في في الانساب بتاع انجيل متى هو من نسل داوود واسم العذراء مريم طب العذراء من نسل مين العذراء تبقى نسيبه اليصابات لما بيقولها اليصابات نسبتك في نفس الاصحاح في ايه 36 فالعذراء واليصابات كانوا ولاد خالات واليصابات دي زي ما احنا عارفين من نسل هارون فالعذراء من نسل حنا بنت هارون من ناحيه امها لكن من ناحيه ابوها يوئيم كانت من نسل داوود فمن ناحيه داوود من ناحيه باباها كانت هي من نسل داوود ومن ناحيه مامتها كانت هي من نسل هارون العذراء لما الملاك دخلها قال لها السلام لك ايتها الممتلئه نعمه الرب معك مباركه انت في النساء الممتلئه نعمه معناه ان انت ربنا ملاك بالنعمه طول حياتك طول عمرك انت مليانه بنعمه الله وطبعا اللي ربنا اختارها عشان تكون ام له لابد تكون ممتلئه نعمه وهنا لما قال لها سلام كلمه سلام تختلف على التحيه اللي كانت متعوده كلمه سلام هنا يمكن بالادق افرحي دي غير مجرد كلمه سلام بمعنى بيس فهنا سلام بمعنى افراح ايتها الممتلئه نعمه مبارك انت في النساء فهنا نلاحظ ان التحيه دي تختلف عن التحيه اللي قالها لزكريا فيها احترام اكبر وايضا في لقب اعطيت به السيده العذراء اللي هي الممتلئه نعمه وايضا قال له مباركه انت في النساء لانه لم ما فيش حد بين النساء زي العذراء مريم 
ولا بين العالم ولا بين الملائكة ورؤساء الملائكة العذراء مريم لما سمعت التحية دي يقول لك اضطربت من كلامه وفكرت ما عسى أن تكون هذه التحية اضطربت لأن هي إنسانة متواضعة في قرية صغيرة الناصرة دي فمش متوقعة أن يجيلها رئيس ملائكة ويلاقبها يقول لها ممتلأ نعمة ومباركة أنت في النساء فقالت إيه ده ما عسى أن تكون هذه التحية فهنا الملاك قال لها لا تخاف يا مريم ونذهب اسمها يعني أنا عارف أنا جاي لمين أنت المختارة أنت اللي ربنا اختارك لا تخاف يا مريم أنت وجدت نعمة عند الله إن نعمة دي بقى أنت هتكوني أم المسيح أنت هتكوني أم ابن الله ها أنت ستحبلين وتلدين ابنا وتسمينه يسوع الملاك لما ظهر ليوسف النجار زي ما نقرأ في متى إصحاح الأولاني قال له برضو أن العذراء دي هتولد ابن اسمه يسوع بس اليوسف شرح إيه سبب التسمية يسوع معناه مخلص قال له لأنه يخلص شعبه من خطيئهم يسوع هي يشوع هي هوشع هي نفس الاسم فيسوع معناه مخلص فقال لها ابنك ده هو يسوع اللي هيخلص العالم هيكون عظيما وابن العلي يدعى ابن العلي يعني ابن الله وابن الله احنا كلنا أولاد ربنا بس في أولاد ربنا بالتبني زي كلنا كده وفي ابن الله بالطبيعة ابن الله بالطبيعة ده واحد بس اللي هو اقنوم الابن زي ما بنقول في القانون الإيمان مولود من الآب قبل كل الظهور نور من نور إلى حق من إلى حق علشان كده أحيانا نلقب الله الكلمة نقول الابن الوحيد يعني إيه كلمة الوحيد هنا يعني هو الوحيد اللي مولود بالطبيعة من الله الآب مولود إزاي نور من نور إلى حق من إلى حق زي ما النور بيتولد من النور من غير فرق زمن لكن إحنا أبناء بالتبني وكلمة الابن الوحيد أو المولود الوحيد دي ترجمة أمونو جنيس مونو يعني الوحيد جنيس معناها ابن سوري معناها مولود آه وابن حنا أمونو جنيس بتترجم غلط الوحيد الجنس ده غلط جنيس مش معناها جنس جنيس معناها مولود فالأمونو جنيس معناها الابن الوحيد أو المولود الوحيد يعني الوحيد اللي مولود بالطبيعة من الآب إحنا مولودين بالتبني في المعمودية مش بنوة الإبن هو ده بقى الإبن العالي يدعى ويعطيه الرب الإله كرسي داود أبي كلمة كرسي داود أبي بيؤكد أن العذراء لها نسب لداود فيبقى من ناحية الأم هي بنت هارون ولكن من ناحية الأب هي بنت داود ويعطيه الرب الإله كرسي داود أبي ويملك على بيت يعقوب إلى الأبد ولا يكون لملكه نهائي معلمنا بولس الرسول في كرونسس الأولى صح 15 تكلمنا على ملكوت الإبن ملكوت الإبن ابتدع يوم الصليب ويستمر هذا الملكوت احنا عايشين في مملكة الإبن حاليا بقول ربنا وقال هنا ومخلصنا وملكنا كلنا الملك ده لغاية في مجيء تاني سلم الملك لله الآب وملكوته يدوم إلى الأبد ولا يكون لملكه نهائي فالناس اللي لسه بتتكلم على الملك الألفي إنه جاي ده ما أروش كتاب المقدس 
لان ده الملك الالفي كلمة الف ده رقم رمزي ملك سماوي يعني ليس مملكة ارضية فالملك الالفي بدأ يوم صليب المسيح وسيستمر الى مجيئه الثاني حيث يسلم الملك لله الان العاطرة قالت كيف يكون هذا وانا لست اعرف رجلا طب انا هسألكوا سؤال لو العاطرة دي مخططة انها تتجوز من يوسف ويبقى في consummation للمارج يعني يعيشوا مع بعض كزوجين طب ايه المشكلة هتقول انا لما اتجوز هخلف الولد ده فكانت السؤال ما كانش تقول كيف كانت تقول امتى هيحصل ده متى يكون هذا لنا لغاية الوقت مخطوبة لسه ما اتجوزناش لكن كلمة كيف يكون هذا والاستغراب هي هي ما شكتش في بشارة الملاك لكن هي بتسأل ازاي ده انا ندرة البتولية بتاعتي ازاي يتحقق هذا ان انا احبل وانا فيرجن وانا عزراء يعني زكريا وليصباس عندهم ابراهيم وصرة كانوا عاجيس وخلفوا لكن لم يحدث قبل العذراء ولا بعد العذراء ان حد خلف فيرجن يعني واحدة عزراء من غير ما تتجوز تحبل وثالد فبتسأل كيف لو العذراء مخططة تتجوز من يوسف زي ما بعض الطوائف بيقولوا كانت قالت متى يحدث هو الجوز ده هيحصل امتى ما كانتش قالت كيف عشان كده العذراء كانت مؤمنة بالبشارة بس كانت بتسأل على الكيفية مشكتش زي زكريا فالملك شرح لها قال لها ان ده حاجة يعني جاي من فوق من السماء من الله قال لها الروح القدس يحل عليك وقوة العلي الله الآب تظللك فلذلك ايضا القدوس الابن المولود منك يدعى ابن الله فهنا الروح القدس يحل عليها وده ب ب بقوة فوق الطبيعة ستحبل العذراء من غير زرع بشر والله الآب قوته تظل العذراء عشان كده المولود هو الابن القدوس كلمة القدوس لا أحد يلقب القدوس غير الله فقط فكلمة القدوس تؤكد لهوت المسيح أن الذي ولد من العذراء هو الله الكلمة الله الكلم القدوس المولود منك ونحن نؤمن بدوام بتولية العذراء أن العذراء كانت بتول قبل الولادة أثناء الولادة يعني الولادة لم تحل بتوليتها وبعد الولادة أيضا وقال لها هوازة أليصابات نسبتك هي أيضا حبلة بابن في شيخوختها وهذا هو الشهر السادس لتلك المدعوة عاقرا ادها لها حتى أليصابات هذه المرأة العجوز والعاقر حبلة دلوقتي وبقى لها ست أشهر حبلة في يوحنا المعمدان وقال لها ما تستغربيش تقولي كيف إجابت بقى كيف إجابت السؤال بتاعك في آية 37 لأنه ليس شيء غير ممكن لطلّه فيش حاجة ربنا عنده حاجة مستحيلة فإجابت كيف قال لها ليس شيء غير ممكن لطلّه الله ممكن يجعل العذراء تحبل زي ما حصل مع العذراء مريم وهنا العذراء ردت آية 38 دي آية مهمة جدا جدا في اللاهوت وفهمنا للاهوت قالت هو ذا أنا أمت الرب ليكن لي كقولك فمضى من عندها الملك ليه بقول آية دي مهمة ربنا بيحترم الإرادة الإنسانية يعني كانت لازم العذراء توافق 
عشان الله يتجسد ويحل في بطنها لو لو هي رفضت ربنا مش هيفرض نفسه عليها ابدا وعشان كده الاباء يقولوا ان في اللحظه لما قالت ليكن ليك قولك دي اللحظه اللي تم فيها الحمل كان الحمل مستحيل يتم قبل كده ويبقى ربنا بيفرض نفسه على حد لكن بعد ما هي وافقت وقالت لكن ليك قولك فهنا الحمل الالهي ابتدى بعض الناس بيتساءلوا في التسبيحه نقول ايه مثلا خلاص ابينا ادم يقولوا ازاي تدوا العذراء اللقب خلاص ابينا ادم ده ربنا هو المخلص اه طبعا العذراء ليس ليست مخلص زي ربنا يسوع المسيح ديفينتلي لا نقصد هذا اطلاقا لكن خليني اشرح لكم هنا لو العذراء اب ما قبلتش البشاره دي كان الخلاص هيتم ازاي فاحنا نقول خلاص ابينا ادم لانها قبلت عطيه الخلاص المجانيه فهنا لما نقول خلاص ابينا ادم بنر بنقصد بيها قبولها لعطيه الخلاص المجانيه لما قالت هو ذا انا امه الرب ليكن لي كقولك زي ما انا شرحت كده لو في اسره فقيره وحد جاب لهم هديه او جاب شغل للاب فالاب لما بيقبل الهديه الولاد يقولوا له يا بابا انت انقذتنا لما قبلت الهديه دي لما قبلت الفلوس دولت هو انقذهم مش هو اللي جاب الفلوس هو قبلها فاحنا بنقول العذراء انت انقذتينا لما قبلتي عطيه الخلاص المجاني لكن لا نقصد ابدا الخلاص بمعنى الفداء كما سفك ربنا يسوع المسيح دمه من اجلنا على الصليب لكن نقصد فقط قبولها لعطيه الخلاص كنائب عن كل البشريه هو ذا انا امه الرب ليكن لي كقول عشان كده بيسموها حواء الثانيه حواء الاولى بعصيانها ومعصيتها احنا طردنا حواء الثانيه بخضوعها وتواضعها وطاعتها تم الخلاص للبشريه يعني بعصيان حواء الاولى طردنا من الفردوس النعيم وبطاعه العذراء المريم وبخضوعها وتسليمها لمشيئه الله تم الخلاص لكل البشريه ده ينهي البايبل الصدي بتاعتنا النهارده لالهنا المجد الدائم الى الابد امين